My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 86. Well, hello, folks, and welcome in to my world, the world of cars. I live cars. I breathe cars. Uh, oil in my veins? Probably not. But it's close. So I thought I'd start off, speaking of what's in my veins, um, it's blood. And it's working better. Everything's working better since I decided to start eating right uh, at the encouragement and exercising at the encouragement of my 14-year-old grandson. Yes, sometimes they can be wise, but uh, beyond their years. So I decided to start that. That was uh, the Thursday before we came home on Saturday from our Hilton Head vacation. I, I turned around. I turned it all around. I've lost 16 pounds. I was having a lot of problems with PVCs, preventricle contractions in my heart. They have stopped. Uh, my feet don't swell anymore. I mean, I would take my socks off, just my regular old, you know, dress socks when I got home, and I'd have this big indentation around where the top of the sock was. Below that, my foot was swollen. I couldn't see my veins or anything. I mean, it, it was alarming to me. I've seen worse swollen feet, but, but now they look normal. They look like baby's feet. Well, maybe not that fat. And I feel better. So there's a whole lot of uh, benefits to just eating right and exercising a little bit, even when you get older. So I just thought I'd give you a little update since occasionally I talk about that, and many of you are my same age category. So, all right, let's talk cars. So today I had a visit from my uh, regional manager of the Ford Motor Company. He is, I think he has, he is one of 21 people in the nation that are at that level with Ford Motor Company. So he's pretty high up in the organization. He's over all of Ohio, most of Indiana, a lot of Tennessee, all of Kentucky, and part of West Virginia. And so we're just talking about different markets and stuff and, and what's going and, you know, how his larger dealers are doing and mid-sized dealers. We talked a lot about Ford's commitment to electric vehicles. And, of course, Jim Farley, who is the CEO, has decided that uh, the Ford Motor Company is going to be committed both ways to internal combustion engines and electric. He's not going to just ignore one or the other, which, as a Ford dealer, I'm glad. Uh, they're dropping billions of dollars on a new factory in West Tennessee to build the uh, F-150 Lightning pickup truck. They're also building a battery plant there and in Kentucky. Huge investment. Um, it's a big gamble as well, in my mind. Because a lot of the people that I talk to in the car business, just in, in regular daily life in small-town America, they don't give a rip about electric vehicles. And a lot of them look uh, at it as a political thing, which is unfortunate. It has been turned into a political thing. I kind of look at it as just another way to uh, drive a car down the road, but um, a lot of folks don't. So the political thing, fine. I also remember a political discussion. It was in Ford's favor when the government had to come and intervene in the auto industry at the Great Recession. You remember that? Where uh, General Motors and Chrysler Corporation both filed bankruptcy. Ford did not, and a lot of people wouldn't buy GM vehicles anymore or Chrysler vehicles because they took the bailout money. 
They wanted to buy Fords because Ford didn't. Now, there was a good reason why Ford didn't. It's because they borrowed a whole bunch of money early on, 30-some billion dollars so that they could survive the recession. Alan Mulally came into the company and said, boys, I think we're going to have a problem here. He could see, he could read the tea leaves. He was watching the housing market and mortgage rates and, and what was going, how banks were tightening up. And he said, hmm, before they tighten up, the fact that we do have a liquidity problem at the Ford Motor Company, if things don't go well or continue to go downhill, then we won't be able to survive that. So he borrowed uh, $32 billion. And then the markets, right after he signed the last note, all of a sudden the markets seized up. That money was not available to uh, General Motors or the Chrysler Corporation at that point. They went calling too late. But how many other products can you think of that, uh, that people don't buy or buy because of political reasons? I think a lot of the environmentalists, for example, they want you to buy EVs just because they don't pollute. They ignore the fact that the majority of the power for the EV comes from a coal-burning or a natural gas-burning power plant. It's, it's about appearances sometimes, isn't it? So I'm talking to my regional manager, and I'm just trying to gauge his feelings about this. And He said, Lenny, uh, originally when the company decided to split into the EV division and the uh, internal combustion engine divisions, they uh, allowed dealers to make a choice. You can either sell EVs or not. Uh, you could either be a, a certified dealer or a certified elite EV dealer, which involved investing different levels of money and a number of chargers and stuff in the dealership. Initially, 62% of the Ford dealers in this country, or in the, I'm sorry, in the Cincinnati region, uh, decided to sign up with um, Model E, which they, they wanted to sell electric vehicles, either the certified program or the certified elite. So far, 18 dealers have dropped out of that. I think the uh, number now is 48% of the dealers are doing it. So why, you may ask, are they dropping out? Well, they're dropping out because inventories are starting to build. And the manufacturers, all of them, not just Ford, but General Motors and well, Chrysler, doesn't, Chrysler doesn't have any EVs, really. Um, but the inventories are starting to build up. People aren't buying them. I mean, some people are buying them, but they're not selling at the rate that they thought they would. And I think you're going to find that, especially in middle America. That's where we live. Well, I don't know where you're listening, but if you're from um, the West Coast or the East Coast, then I'm not talking to you, and unless you're talking about the Southeast Coast. That's a pretty conservative country. Northeast Coast, not so much. Now, I haven't been to California in a long time. But from what I hear, the people that travel out there, they say there's a lot of EVs out there, a lot of Teslas. That's Tesla world out there. And I was talking to a gentleman a little while ago, and he said, or that was yesterday evening, he said uh, when they went out there, they saw a lot of Mach-E's, which is the, the Ford EV. So what I don't understand is what's driving those people out there to buy these EVs? I mean, with all the rolling power outages that they have and running out of water, you know, behind Hoover Dam, Lake Mead, uh, they're worried about being able to generate enough power. And people are buying electric vehicles. That doesn't make sense to me. So it must be either the cool thing to do 
or they are environmentalists and they think that it's good for nature, or they just have a, a left-wing kind of mentality and they want to support you know, what the current people in power want them to do, and that's buy electric vehicles. Um, it's just all of us people in the heartland. They think we're the weirdos, but we know we're not. We're normal, and we're going to make a prudent decision based on what makes sense for us and our families and our mobility, right? That's what you should always do, and that's what I always encourage on this radio show. So I'll take my first break. I'll be back here in just one minute. Okay, I am back. You know, I have some interesting cars in the showroom right now, and Basically, they're just conversation pieces. As soon as you walk into my showroom, my Ford showroom, if you look to the left and to the right, you will see a visible gas pump on either side. These are gas pumps from the 20s and 30s. Um, I found these. Uh, basically, had a gentleman came, came in to, to trade his Lincoln, Con, or Lincoln Town car for a Ford Focus, and I asked him uh, a certain amount of uh, difference to trade, and he said, well, I don't want to pay you any money. Would you be interested in in maybe trading some, uh, like an antique or something like that? And I said, like what? And he said, I've got some those big, tall gas pumps that have glass on the top. And I said, really? Yeah, I'd be interested in that. So that's how I ended up with those. I traded for them. But also in the showroom is, that, is a 1930 Model A Roadster. Sitting beside that is a 1966 Mustang Fastback. And then also in the showroom is a Ford Edge, a 2023 Ford Edge. Could you have three vehicles that are more different? But what we have here to show to people and to talk about is the evolution of the automobile. And I love it when somebody is like looking at the Model A and maybe they're just service customers. And sometimes I'll go out and I'll just sit there and talk about the cars. And I said, do you like that? What do you like about that? Oh, I just like, I remember when my grandfather had one of those or something. It just generates conversations, which I love to have with people. And so sometimes, though, we have somebody come in that they're wanting to buy a car. And so they will start looking at the Model A, and you can just see their defenses go completely down. And we start talking. You know, a lot of people are afraid when they walk into a dealership, rightfully so in, in many uh, stores, because they're going to try to get you. But most of them are good, and they're not going to try to get you. They're just going to try to earn your business. Well, you're nervous, and sometimes when you have something else to talk about, like a 1930 Model A or a 66 Mustang, it makes people feel more comfortable. Let's them relax. So you, would you rather buy um, a vehicle all relaxed where you can think, or would you rather buy one all tight and nervous and, and anxious about it? So that's one of the reasons I put them in the showroom. But it also tells a story. For people of the evolution of the automobile. I always raise the hood and show them the engine. And we start with the Model A Ford. <clears throat> we look at how simple it is. For example, I was explaining to my regional manager with, with Ford the controls on the steering wheel on the Model A. Uh, on the right-hand side of the steering wheel, where you would, like on a modern car, you'd probably see your light switch there. Sometimes they put the cruise control on that. Most of the time, cruise control is on the steering wheel. But um, now, that is typically your headlight switch. So what that is is an additional throttle. It's just a rod that comes up and goes into the steering wheel col or the steering column, goes down to the carburetor, and when you move that thing down, the engine idle will speed up. And 
you know, that's useful for different circumstances that I won't get into. Kind of like a tractor. You know, it also has a throttle pedal down there on the floor where you can give it the gas, just like what you're used to. On the left hand of the steering wheel is another lever. And what that does is that changes the timing on the engine. So you can actually advance the timing. What that does is just basically it turns the distributor just a little bit so that the spark plug will fire off a little bit sooner in the combustion process. So what that does is that it allows the engine to have more power. It creates more power. So what you do is you advance the timing when you want to go faster. And you retard the timing when you're at idle or going slower speeds. Um, that's just a different world for most people. You look at that engine, all the spark plugs are on the top of the engine and exposed. Where's the carburetor? It's down on the side, on the opposite side of the engine. Very small, very simple. Everything is just, it's very tractor-like. Although my Kubota tractor that I have is a diesel, it's much more complicated than this, but it's just so simple. It was easy to work on. It was very reliable. You know, that's what Henry Ford wanted it to be. Then we move over to the 66 Mustang. Uh, that's quite a few years, 36 years, as a matter of fact, of advancement from 1930 to 1966. So what's different? Well, number one, the engine in the Mustang is a V8. It's a 289 V8. It has a four-barrel carburetor sitting on top of the engine. Most of the modern advances in engine technology are, are internal. Still has a distributor, just like the uh, just like the the Model A does. It it automatically uh, retards the timing or advances the timing as needed for the power that the engine is calling for. It has points and a condenser and and things that were big in the '60s. Spark plugs are you know in the side of the engine underneath the heads. They are um, probably a little bit more advanced spark plug. The transmission is fully synchronized. That 1930 Model A, if you want to downshift, you about have to be stopped because it will not go into second or first without grinding the gears. To upshift, you have to double clutch. Do you know what that is? Well, I won't get into that, but it's, it's different than driving a normal manual transmission. So what were the big advances in those 36 years? Uh, one of them was the way the car brakes. You know, this the 66 had an option of disc brakes in the front. Uh, the braking system in the 1930 Model A is crude at best. Didn't even have drum brakes. Uh, these vehicles stopped on a hope and a prayer, but they did stop. Uh, it, they didn't have shock absorbers either. Uh, they had springs, but there were no shocks. But by 1966, vehicles had become a whole lot more comfortable. We had air conditioning, power steering, power brakes, we had, um, let's see, when did the 8-track, I don't know if we had 8-track tapes in 1966. Probably did around that time. That's probably when they were invented. Uh, they had uh, FM radios, but most cars did not have FM. They just had strictly AM radio. But the interesting thing is that a lot of people that look under the hood of that 66 Mustang, they say, you can actually see the engine. And you can, because it doesn't have all the emission controls that they had later on. Just a few years down the road, Somewhere around 1970 and 71, uh, the, the EPA got involved and decided that every vehicle needed a smog pump and a whole lot more in terms of uh, anti-pollution devices to try to get the uh, emissions out of the tailpipe under control. But what that did was push down on horsepower. The manufacturers could not figure out 
how to preserve horsepower and add all of these emission controls on engines. And so through the early 70s, uh, we saw cars like the Chevrolet Corvette. My brother had a 1967. It had a 427 cubic inch engine with 430 horsepower. A Corvette in 1972, or I'm sorry, 1973 had about 200 horsepower. That's it. The same displacement engine, well, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't the same displacement engine. It was a 350 cubic inch V8. But still, um, several years before that same engine would have had uh, 100 horsepower more. So this 66 Mustang was the high-performance engine, 289 V8 with a four-barrel carburetor and 271 horsepower. Now let's talk about the Ford Edge in the showroom. We've advanced a number of years. Let's see how many years is that. 57 years. Wow. So what has happened in 57 years? Well, now we have a Ford Edge on the showroom that has about 300 horsepower with a four-cylinder engine. It gets 35 miles to the gallon on the highway. What did the Mustang get? Probably 12, maybe 13 miles per gallon. What do you see when you open the hood on the Ford Edge? Not much. They've got it all covered up with plastic. They don't want you in there. And for the most part, people don't care what engines look like anymore, unless you're a gearhead like me. They don't want you to see the engine because they don't want you messing with it. You've got no business in there uh, unless you have a, uh, a lot of computer skills because you find out everything that's going on in that engine by plugging in to a port that's underneath the dash. And, but you've got to have the right kind of computer to figure out what it's telling you about the performance of that engine. Basically, all they want you to do is be able to check your oil and make sure you have enough windshield washer solvent. Uh, leave the rest to the experts. And what are the advances here? Well, they're just too numerous to mention. Um, everything from safety advancements to crash worthiness. Uh, I've heard people over the years say, you know, I wish they, built, they don't build cars like they used to. Thank goodness they don't. Now, I love the designs of old cars, and I love the crudeness you know, the primitive nature of, of some of these things like this Model A and this even this Mustang. They're primitive. I mean, you had to do a tune-up on the Mustang every 12,000 miles. How often do you have to do a tune-up on a Ford Edge? Uh, every 100,000 miles. And what is a tune-up? You replace the spark plugs. That's it. You don't do anything else. Maybe you replace the air filter. But, I mean, you would do that on the old car as well. But the old cars last longer. No, they don't. They rust out. I mean, I don't know what you'd have to do to get this Ford Edge to rust. Probably throw it in the ocean for a while. I mean, they're built, they're, they're so well coated with pro different types of uh, rust resistant primers and things like that. They just, they really won't rust. So, anyway, we've come a long way. And it's not all bad. As far as the electrical vehicle, I don't know. We'll see. Stories being written, and we're in the middle of it. And I'll be back in one minute. I stopped at the gas station the other day. I was filling up my F-150 Power Boost. What that means is that it's a hybrid. It has a 3.5-liter twin-turbocharged engine, but it also has an electric motor and a battery pack. So this guy saw that, walked over to me, said, Is that one of those hybrids? I said, Yes, sir, it is. How do you like it? I said, Well, I love it. 
I wish Ford would do that instead of the electric vehicles. And I said, you know, I, I get where you're coming from. I totally get it. I like the, the hybrid. The idea of having the backup of an electric motor appeals a lot more to me than having it totally responsible for everything. But again, you know, this is an evolution. I get a lot of comments from folks uh, when I drive the EVs. I get just as many when I when people see my hybrid truck and they see that power boost on the side of it. I don't know what your buying intentions are. I tell you this though, you better do a lot of research because there's a lot of cool options out there right now. And you need to think as long-term as your buying cycle is. If you trade cars every 10 years, don't buy an electric vehicle. You know, if you trade cars every two years, don't buy an electric vehicle. Lease it. Uh, Ford just came out with a good lease program on the F-150 Lightning and on the um, uh, Mach-E. So, you know, this gives you an opportunity to try something out and to see whether it's going to fit in your lifestyle. If you are an early adopter like me and you like to try technology, it's a great reason to do it. We've got three Model E's in stock right now and a Lightning. And uh, this would be a great place to start your experimentation. Uh, if you don't want to do that, if you want to come just drive one, I invite people to come to Gateway all the time just to come down here and eat lunch and come over to the dealership and test drive some stuff. Too many people think that if they go to the dealership, they're going to be pressured to buy. Come on. Get some willpower. Nobody can make you buy anything. I've even heard customers say, well, they made me do it. They didn't make you do it. You signed the paperwork. Uh, you, it, you always had the power to get up and walk out. Some people say, well, I didn't want to hurt their feelings. Well, they're used to getting their feelings hurt. They can handle it. you got to take care of yourself and don't worry about them. Be nice. But, you know, if, if you feel like you're getting the heat, then just leave. It's really easy. Say bye. Say, folks, I appreciate your time. We're leaving. And where are the keys to my car? Well, the sales manager had Well, you go get them. I'll meet you at my car. That's not hard. Just do it. Call me if you have a question. 423-552-2020. I'm here to help you with your car life. We'll see you next time.